it truly is a time for the church to, to rise up because the human spirit will rise up anyway, you know, um, because it's, we're created in his image. When stuff like this happens, something within us just kicks into gear. Uh, my daughter, Brooke, that some of you know, um, posted something on Facebook and it was exceptionally well written. But she said, in amongst the carnage, basically, what she so admired uh, and was encouraged about was the, the humanity in people that rose up and while stuff was happening, people were running to the aid of others, yeah, putting themselves in danger. They were doing what came naturally. They didn't think twice, they just did it, yeah. And that's what is naturally in us. But also then for a, for a Christian, for a son of God, we have that natural tendency, but now we can also tap into the supernatural. Yeah? So it is a wonderful time for the church to be the church. And it's often in the midst of tragedy um, that the, the beauty of God is actually highlighted. Yeah? So keep praying, keep praying for the families, keep praying for the situation. Yeah? God will have his way. He's always and still in control. Amen? Amen. Anyway, I want to try to continue today to talk about what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Um, and so if anyone has not been here for last week or the week before, it's probably important, you know, just for yourselves, if you can grab a hold uh, of the, the sermon, the message, whether you download it, stream it, um, go to the back and order a CD and buy it. It's entirely up to yourself. But it'll, it builds on a process, yeah? It builds on a process of freedom. Because you and I were, were slaves, all of us, regardless yeah, uh, of where we're born into, what families. We were slaves to sin. You know, that's, we know that. And we know the gospel. We know that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And because of what he did, yeah, he broke that bondage to bring us into freedom. And that freedom, though, what we looked at two weeks ago, is a... It, Bondage isn't the right word and slave's not the right word, but it is the right word when you read it in the context of the day. We're now bondservants yeah, of Christ, slaves to him. But there's a freedom now because we choose to live for him. Yeah? Because we discover how much he loves us, yeah? that we are dearly loved beyond all others. Because of that, the enormity of his love and the revelation of that in our lives, we serve him. It's just something that's, that's within us. And then last week we continued to unpack that and we looked at Tim, Tim Keller's quote where he says, religion works this way, if you obey then God, God will love and accept me. But the way the true gospel works is I'm loved and accepted and therefore I wish to obey. Yeah. So because we know, we want to. Does that make sense? It's not out of obligation. We don't do stuff because we have to. Yeah? It's not obedience out of obligation. It's because we, we want to. The church worldwide is already filled with people that do stuff because they have to. Yeah? Because that's what you do. Yeah? But not because they want to. And, you know, there's no, no joy in their service. It's a little bit like, I guess we've all had moments, but spoken to people that we know when it comes to work. Some people don't want to go to work 
Yeah, they do not like it. They don't, or they don't want to go to school. And so the time they spend in school, the time they spend at work, they don't enjoy it. There's no joy. They don't want to be there. But there are others, for whatever reason, actually want to go. They want to work. They want to go to school. And they actually enjoy their experience. Yeah? So for you and I, when we realise that we are dearly loved beyond all others, yeah? that we are loved and accepted, we want to serve him. We become his bond servants, his slaves, doulos. And there's freedom in that. We're made free in that because it's just something that flows naturally. You know, It's for our Lord. It's for our God. So that's what, we were build- what we're building on. And then last week I started to unpack that. It's in this place of surrender, yeah, surrender, that something sweet happens. And so we're just going to have a look over a few scriptures because we need to build a foundation because it is a process of freedom, a process, yeah? We walk it out, and I'll get to that a little bit later too. But John 15, John 15, verse 14 and 15. We're going to read from there just to go over some stuff. Father, I just pray that you bring your revelation, God, that you bring your illumination, that you bring your anointing upon the words that are spoken today. Father, that we would go deeper than we have before. Lord, I know that we often say and state and declare, but Father, we're believing for a glory-to-glory experience. We're believing for a strength-to-strength walk. We're believing that, Lord, from this moment on, we're going to be more like your son, Jesus. So have your way in Jesus' name. So John 15, 14 and 50, you are my friends, if you do, yeah? Some of you, all of us, probably need to underline that. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, doulos. I no longer call you slaves because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from the Father I have made known to you. Okay, so we surrender to him. It's a surrender. We give our hearts over to him. We wave the white flag, yeah? It's no longer our way, it's his way. Okay, go with me here. And scripture, I guess, confirms it because when you look at Galatians 2.20, it says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, yeah? It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah? So now we're, we're, we're basically becoming more and more like him because of what he's done. Yeah? We go from glory to glory, strength to strength. We've got habits in our flesh but there's something supernatural that's within us and now we no longer live. He lives and he lives through us. We are his hands and feet extended, yeah? So think about it this way. If you surrender to anyone in battle, whether it's a fight with your sibling or whether it's at war, whatever it might be, if you, just sur- if you, do, if you surrender to someone, you're now theirs, yeah? They, they have control. You know, my dog gets a bit arky. I will put my foot down and little Coco quickly turns on her back with her feet up. She knows you're the boss. Yes, that's right, don't you? Ever forget it, Coco, you know? And it happens with brothers and sisters, yeah? You know, or brothers or sisters when they're fighting. One always takes control. When we surrender to him, we're now his. We're captured by him, yeah? So you and I surrender our lives to Christ because we know that we're dearly loved. It's not because we have to. It's not because there's a gun pointed to our head. Because we are dearly loved, 
because of the love that was poured out at Calvary and continually poured out, we surrender our lives to him. We go, not my way, your way, Lord. Yeah? I'm yours. You, you purchased me with a high price, the scripture says. What's next? You know, we just hand ourselves over to him. And now that we're totally surrendered, and I emphasise totally, yeah, because there's no half surrender. You, 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 can't, you know you can't half surrender. People know that, don't, don't you? You know, my kids try to half surrender. You know, when you wrestle, and they're like, oh, no, Dad, give me, oh, no, 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 no. And then the minute you, you alleviate a little bit of pressure, they're back at it. It's like, hold on, that's cheating. I only let go because you surrendered, you know. There's no half surrender. So you and I are continuing on a journey and it's a process of freedom, okay? Now, because we obeyed, because we knew we were dearly loved, it tells us there in John that he now calls us friends. We're his friends. And so this process continues. We're slaves to sin. We come to him through the cross, because we understand the high price that was paid for us. And because of that, being lavished by his love, we surrender to him and we give ourselves over to him. And as we do that wholeheartedly, totally, not half-baked, yeah, he then comes really close and says, hey, I call you friends. So this is where some transformation stuff starts to happen. This is where things shift. Now, this can happen for you and I in the first week, in the first day. I'd suggest the first years of your faith, yeah, because it's a process. But see, we go from a place as slaves, and please don't think of the, the negative connotation of slaves. I'm talking doulos, high distinction, the very name that the disciples gave themselves, as bond servants of him, yeah? So as slaves, we operate from one place, a place of information. It's a place of information. We know what to do. We've heard it, we got taught it, and so we do it. It's the right thing. It's a place of information. We did it, he said it, we're happy. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just information. Sometimes you can get, you, you can get it from somebody else next to you. Yeah? Sometimes you might read it in a book. It's information. And you hear that information, you go, yep, that's right, I'm going to do it. We, we live a life out of information. And information shows us that, you know, you're doing okay. You're on the money. You know, you're living reasonably wise here. It keeps us moving in the right direction towards the Lord. That's information. That's living as a doulos, Yeah? But something shifts when he calls us friends. And we really got to, you got to catch this. You got to capture this part of the process because I'm going to suggest there are many of us who have not moved along with where God wants us to go. Yeah? See, as friends, we don't operate. We don't, we don't do stuff through information. We don't do it that way. As, as, as daddy's friends, he calls us close. He calls us to a place of intimacy, yeah? And from intimacy, we get something more, something that's reserved for those that he calls friends. Yeah? I call you friends because you do what I, what I command, yeah? 
This is reserved for his friends. See, now we get revelation. Not information. Revelation. Something new is revealed. It's, it's revelation. And revelation, I want to suggest, is better than information. Yeah, I want to be a person that lives out of revelation. Because revelation actually transforms us. Yeah? It transforms us. We don't do what we do because we were told to do it, because somebody said it was the right thing to do. When we receive revelation, it actually helps us to do by default, yeah, by default, what we only would have done through instruction. Does that make sense? Yeah? Revelation changes the way that you think. It changes the way that you do. You don't think about it anymore. You just do it because it's revelation. Yeah, you do it by default. You ever watched a, I'm going to say a kid, could be an adult. You ever walked along and seen someone walk past a piece of paper or something on the floor? Like walk past it. And you say, oh, can you pick that up for me? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. And they come back and they pick it up. Ever witness something like that? Yeah? See, Revelation, you're walking past, you see, you pick it up, you don't think twice. It's different. When you're walking with the Lord in Revelation as a friend, things become default. You don't have to be told. You don't have to be told it's really good to get to church. You don't have to be told it's really good to get into a friendship group. You don't have to be told that it's really good to read your Bible. It's Revelation. Now stuff becomes default. Yeah? Really quiet, we'll keep going. So when it comes to the world of faith and worship, we often, I'm going to suggest we often settle for information. You and I often settle for information. But information can be a trap that we fall into. See, when we settle for information instead of chasing, yeah, instead of chasing and pursuing and going after revelation, we find stuff out about Jesus, theories and ideas, but we never encounter him personally. Now, man, I can go back three or four weeks ago. Imitate me because you're dearly loved children. Yeah? Unless you have the revelation that you're a dearly loved child, you'll never be able to imitate him. You will try to imitate him because of information, because that's the right thing to do. But unless you have the revelation that you're dearly loved beyond all others, you will never be able to imitate him. And so people are living a Christian life that, look, that looks great. It's good, it's happy, they love Jesus. But they're not living out of revelation. It's a different way of living. It's a different way of thinking. See, information, we know what we're supposed to do, but, but it's in revelation we know what to do and we just do it. So if, if information alone rules our lives, everything we do for God will have a have-to element. I have to do this. I have to go to church. I have to. I ha I just, it's a have-to. But when revelation comes and sits in your heart, it's a default. You don't have to. You just do. Anyone ever had a have to? Like, seriously. Like, if we're going to be totally honest, there are times in our Christian walk where we've just, we have to. 
but revelation transforms. That's why Ephesians 1.17 says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Yeah? The spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. Oh, come on. You can't imitate someone that you don't know because it's never, you've never had the revelation that you're dearly loved, so you can't imitate him. The prayer here is that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is our process of freedom. But we've got to embrace it, see it, know it, understand it, yeah? And it gets better because now that we're friends, we get to experience Papa firsthand. I don't have to experience him through your experiences. Yeah? I can experience him firsthand. I don't need secondhand information. Yeah? We get it firsthand. Think about it. In life, most of us, me maybe, if I'm going away, if I'm going to the movies, I ask people for advice. Have you been there before? What's it like? Where should I go? What should I miss? What's the movie like? Tell me the ending. I'm not going to tell you the No, just tell me the ending. I want to know if it's worth going to see. I don't know. I know that I ask people for advice, yeah? And I'm part of it so that I, I can avoid stuff. But I had a conversation with the mother-in-law. Oh, yeah, look at Samuel. As soon as I said mother-in-law, his eyes went, oh, I've got to listen to this. I'll be able to tell her what Andrew's been saying about her. Again. So I was speaking to Jill. She went on a cruise. She's still on a cruise. And it started in Sydney and it worked its way to Victoria, Melbourne. And um, a lot of the people that are on the boat are tennis players, you know, regardless of age. And uh, a lot of them are spending a couple of days at the Australian Open. And then they jump back on the boat, I think tonight or tomorrow, and they go back to Sydney. Now, I spoke to her on the phone. Because you're not going to believe it. Of all things, she upgrades her phone. She goes from an iPhone 4 to an iPhone 6. Typical iPhone problem, if you're asking me. But what happens now, right? She tries to ring people, and she gets through to all these people, but the two people that she rings the most, her daughter and her partner, the phone, whenever she rings, it says the number's disconnected. Never happened in the old phone. It's just happening in the new phone. And the only person in that circle that she can get through to? Yeah. I've had calls that yesterday morning it was like, I'm sorry, did I wake you? Oh, no. Does it sound like I'm asleep? You know, like, so I'm, I'm having this conversation with her last week about this cruise and she goes, you're not going to believe it. She goes, all these people told me how bad it was. All these people told me how bored I would be. All these people told me that the food was terrible. Geez, I'm so glad that I didn't listen to them. This has been the best thing that I've ever done. Food has been fantastic. It's like having your own personal waiter. I don't have to do anything. They do everything for me. It's been brilliant. See, if we're not careful... We're going to allow the experiences of others to set the boundaries of our experiences and our expectations, yeah? Information versus revelation, yeah? 
Think about it. Even Jesus knew the truth. In John 21, 6, he goes, he said, then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. That whole, that whole part, that whole scripture is all about Jesus making them throw the net on the wrong side of the boat because of the way the, tarrant, the, the currents went. Not the tarrant, that's a cafe. But anyway, something like that. But anyway, the, the whole idea was to throw the, the nets on one side. He's saying, no, no, throw it on the other. And Peter and that are saying, you, you don't understand. We have the experience. We've tried this before. And the current's going to take the net under the boat. We're not going to catch a brass razu. Obviously, Jesus, you're not as smart as you think. Yeah? But aren't we glad today, seriously, aren't we glad today that rather than listen to their information and their experiences, that he decides to do something different. Yeah? And out of revelation, they get the biggest haul that they've had that it started to sink the boats. You know, I won't read it, but in Luke chapter 7, you read all about the woman that, that, that breaks the alabaster jar. Yeah? And, and when they're there, when she comes behind Jesus and starts to do stuff and weeps on her, with her feet and all that sort of stuff... Verse 39 in chapter 7 says, When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman he's touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus replied, or answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Jumped, and we're going to jump to verse 44. It says, Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time that I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Imagine if she had taken the lead from the Pharisees. Imagine if she had learnt how to worship Jesus through Simon and his buddies. That alabaster jar of perfume would still be fully intact, not broken, probably forever. Yeah? But this woman decides to experience worship personally herself. Revelation. Rather than going on what they were teaching. You don't do this, you don't do that, this is how you do it. You know, why am I sharing those two particular passages of scriptures? It's just to say this. It's not about denying or criticising other people's experiences. Our experiences are really important. As we share our testimony, it lifts the level, the foundation that we now walk upon and from, yeah? But now that we're friends, now, now that he calls us friends, we can't allow other people's experiences to set the boundaries and expectations for our experiences, yeah? We can't allow that to happen. That's information. And if we only ever listen to information, we'll never travel to places we thought would be nice. We'd never see particular movies because other people told us that they were no good. And we'll never experience all that Daddy has for each one of us. You know, we need to experience things personally ourselves. We need what the Lord wants to give those that walk in friendship. He wants to give all of us revelation, yeah? Psalm 32, 8 says, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best path for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. 
You can't have the Lord advise you if you're just living on information. He wants to advise you. He wants to give you fresh manner, fresh revelation because now you're his friend. You just don't do stuff because other people said so because it's the right thing to do. Now he wants to reveal things to you. He wants to pour out revelation on his friends. You know, and as his friends, we don't worry about what others think. One of the quotes from last week was Bill Johnson. Friends are less concerned about disobeying as they are disappointing. The disciples' focus shifted from the commandments to the presence, from the assignment to the relationship, from what I do for him to how my choice is effective. See, a lot of us can get caught up with what others think. Yeah? We just get caught up with what others think. We don't, we don't want to offend people with our faith. Let's not get carried away. Don't share. Don't do this. Too many people live with what they call people possession. <laughs> do you know that's a term? Terminology. People possession. It means that you have an unhealthy obsession with other people's opinions about our actions. So we act a certain way to try and keep them happy. People possession. I don't want to live possessed by people. I want to live possessed by the Father. Amen? Yeah? See, as friends, we're, we're more concerned in not disappointing the Father rather than disappointing others. And at the end of the day, because he's our friend, what he wants becomes more important than what I want or how I look, yeah? That's why we love each other even when we disagree. That's why we love each other even when you know the other person's wrong. We're meant to live free. We're meant to live in freedom. And that freedom has a process. And it takes us to this place of being a friend where we move away from information to revelation. Deuteronomy 29, 29 from last week says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things belong to him, yeah? But the things revealed belong to us. So he wants to reveal stuff, yeah, to us. The secret things belong to God. The only, they can only belong to us if he reveals them, Yeah? They can only belong to us if he reveals them. And he wants to reveal them. He wants to give you revelation. The second part of John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants uh, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from the Father, yeah? I have made known to you. It's a journey that we're on. I have made known to you, yeah? He wants us to learn them piece by piece, jigsaw puzzle by jigsaw puzzle piece, yeah? It's a process of freedom. It's going from information to revelation. The whole kingdom is a process. I know it, it, we, we could say that it happens overnight, but, but it just doesn't. Matthew 13, 31. Here's another illustration. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, yeah? Planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches, etc. So what he's saying is everything starts off small. You start as a slave to sin. I pour my love. You discover that you're dearly loved. And so you just you surrender your life to me, small as a mustard seed, but getting bigger and bigger. And as we walk and talk, as we obey him, he now says, now I'll call you my friends. It's a journey. 
It just doesn't happen the minute you put up your hand in a church service or the minute that you kneel down at the front of an altar and cry. It's a journey. Some of us may get there later than others. Some of you might get there earlier, but it's a journey. It's a process. So now as his friends, we have this intimate relationship where he wants to reveal secrets to us. Reveal secrets to us. That's revelation. That won't happen if you're not living as a friend. It won't happen. It will not happen. You'll never experience revelation while you're choosing to live as a doulos, as a slave, through information. It'll never happen. You know, now that we're his friends, I want to try to paint a picture if I can. Stuff's happening in the world. We know stuff's happening in the world. Stuff just happened in Melbourne. As his friends, we know that Father God has a solution for every problem. As his friend, we can now go to him and seek an answer. We have legal access to the realm of mystery. We can seek him for answers. And so, as his friends, we go to him for answers. And those answers are the revelation that we receive. Not information that I heard secondhand on the radio, what other people are doing. I can receive stuff directly from him. See, as we spend time with the Father in close intimacy, walking and talking as his friends, we become more and more like him. Let me, let me explain it like this. You and I, we're all sons and daughters. All right? We need to bring some clarity here because I have this sense that there, there might be some confusion. We are all sons and daughters from the moment we said yes to Jesus. Yeah. In the same way that Samuel and Nathan are my sons, they are born into my family, they are my sons, that's their title. Yeah? Their title gives them some privileges. They have direct access to my home direct access to all the food, a place to sleep, everything that we have, they have. They have privilege as sons. And if I'm talking about the girls, as daughters, they have privilege. You and I are sons and daughters of God, yeah? Heirs and co-heirs with him. Living in heavenly places, we have privilege, direct access into the, the realms of mystery, direct access into heaven. Yeah, But let me teach you something if I can. With my sons, I desire more than, than, than for them just to carry a title in my home. I want to journey with them as friends. Yeah, I want to walk closely with them so that they can get to know me and, they, you know, and I can get to know them. I want to share my innermost heart, my innermost secrets. Yeah? See, we're all sons and daughters of God, but it's not until you realise that he calls you a friend, that he pulls you into a place where it's not just about privilege, it's about him wanting to share his heart and knowing your heart. Adam and Eve, yeah? What did God used to do? God used to come down and he used to walk with Adam in the cool of the day. Walk and talk with Adam as a friend, yeah? As a friend. And so when Adam and Eve stuffed it up, what did they lose? They lost the ability to be able, one, they lost the title of son. They no longer had access to the garden. 
But two, they no longer had, had the, 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 I guess, the, the wonderful honour of being a friend of God. No longer did he walk and talk with them in the cool of the day. No longer did he share his heart and the secrets. So when Jesus died on the cross, he came, he put our title back to give us access into the realms of mystery. But as we journey in this process of freedom, God now says, now you're friends again. I want to walk and talk with you in the cool of the day. I want to share my innermost seat. I'm going to reveal them to you. The secret things of God belong to him, but the revealed things belong to us, his sons, that have become his friends. Man, there's so many Christians around the world that have stopped and they take the title as sons, but they never move into friendship. They don't speak as friends, hang out as friends. They don't do any of that stuff. So there's no revelation. They just live on information. This stuff is mine. There are disenchanted families all over the globe. yeah, And there are sons and daughters that know what they're entitled to because they're sons and daughters. But they're not friends. They never get the heartbeat of the mother, the heartbeat of the father, the heartbeat of the family. They never... Learn the innermost secrets. Yeah, when God says, I no longer call you slaves, I no longer call you doulos, now I call you friends. And I'm going to make stuff known to you. I'm going to reveal stuff to you. He's taking us from information to revelation. So now we have access to heaven's revelation. Unlimited, unlimited access. You know, people can tell Samuel and Nathan how great I am. But it would be better for the three of us if they learnt it themselves and stepped into friendship and we walked and talked together, yeah? They are always my sons. They always have that place of privilege. But friendship's different. And for some of us, we need to stop complaining. Hear my heart, yeah? We need to stop complaining that we don't hear from the Father. We need to stop complaining that we don't get revelation like other people around us get revelation. That's just not me. I've always been this way. This is how I was taught. My mum says that all the time. I have a conversation with my mum about the gospel, about Jesus, and she goes, well, this is how my mum taught me, and so this is how it is. But mum, there's more. God wants to give you revelation, yeah? Don't be one of those people. That is a cop-out. I don't hear from him like you do. That's a cop-out. Maybe it's time things change. Maybe it's time that you realise that you're his friend and you have direct access and he wants to reveal stuff in that deeper, more intimate place, yeah? He created you. He created me, believe it or not, for his pleasure. Not just so you can have a title and have access and do nothing with it. He wants to, ple- wants to be pleasured by you as a friend. You know, going through Bible college, we often would joke around and pray. And, and I'm assuming that a lot of you have heard this before, but less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. It's, it's a bit topsy-turvy because one thing I've realised over the years as I've discovered God's love, for, God's love for me is that before I was born again, 
he didn't have any of me and he wasn't happy. Just think about that for a minute. Because we're talking about the surrender and people go, less of me, more of you, God, less of me. If there's less of me, God can't do anything. He needs me, yeah? I just need to hear him, yeah? He wasn't happy having none of you before the cross. He was so disappointed with how things turned out that he killed his own son just so he could get you. He wants all of you, not less of you, yeah? You know, if you're not in that place of revelation, the only thing that needs to change is you. The only thing that needs to change is me. So he gives us the key to access the treasures of heaven as his sons, but then as his friends, he shares those secrets with us, yeah? You know, there are, there are songs and melodies that have never been played and never been sung, never been heard by a human ear. Musicians, worship team, live in revelation. Live in revelation. Get the melody and the tunes and the words and the songs directly from him and bring them to, and bring them to us. You know, there are medical secrets that are only one prayer away from changing the way that people live. I believe there's, there are cures for cancer that God knows. There are cures for leukemia, cures for MS. There are cures that he knows. One prayer away for a friend to receive revelation, not the information on how things are. You know, every day businesses strive for success, yet the gift of wisdom to position them so beautifully in society is just to spend time with their friend, Yeah? You look at some of the counsellors and politicians today, they go to consultants about how to best market, how to best do stuff, how do we run this political campaign. But there's revelation in God that's so fresh and new that it'll give them the favour that they need. Stop living in information, live in revelation. There are ways that we can teach our kids in school that are still hidden in the realms of God and just need a friend to walk with him in the cool of the day. And have the revelation. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You know, when the, when, when, when the unchurched world, the unsaved, when they lead the way with music and inventions and ideas and all that sort of stuff, then we as a church have failed to live out our friendship, the place of revelation. We're the head and not the tail, Yeah? Come on. We're from above, not beneath. We're his sons and daughters being given a place of privilege, but then he calls us his friends. And at the end of the day, there's no difference between the person on your left and the person on your right. There's no difference between you and I and the great men and women of God. Your Catherine Coolmans, your Wesleys, your Wigglesworth, your, your, your Bill Johnsons, whoever they are. Yeah, whoever your favourite person of God is. There's no difference between them and us. They're all normal people. The only difference is they've discovered the key to unlock heaven. They've discovered how to live a supernatural lifestyle. They went from doing stuff because of information and through information to just living in revelation. Yeah? It's really that simple. Why don't we stand?
Grace had a picture earlier. And Grace, can I get you to share it just briefly, please? Because <laughs> it's, it's pertinent. So I saw all these feathers coming down on layer and layer and layer all over the place into little dusty corners. And then I saw the feathers sort of illuminate and become like phosphorus and they, they let a little light in. And then I saw a book, it was an open Bible, but it was like covered in like cobwebs and dust and stuff. And it's about the, the, the feathers of the spirit or the power of the spirit bringing illumination and understanding and, and life back into the dusty places. The corners could be the li- your life or it could be your relationship with the word. Can I have the worship team up? God wants to open the floodgates, yeah? There are some of us in this place that have not had a revelation from God for such a long time that we forgot what they look like, what they sound like and what they feel like. We have so lived our Christian life out of our own habits, living through other people's experiences, that God's not had the opportunity to reveal anything new to us. And I love the picture that Grace got because he wants to dust away. There's fresh manner for us today. So I want us to worship together and let's sing this song for a moment. And then I'm going to open the altar because I think it's time for us to move into freedom. It's time for us in 2017 to move away from living as slaves, as duelos, as bondservants, which is all good because it's a high distinction, but he now calls you friend. And he wants to make things known to you. Yeah? So he's going to open the floodgates of heaven in Jesus' name.